Hour number two. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. At the bottom of the hour, we'll go to Indonesia and catch up with Sportsnet's Arash Madani. He's at the FIBA World Cup Canada 2-0 as they take on Latvia tomorrow. We're also giving away movie passes to see the Equalizer 3. We're asking you the question at 960-960. The Elks' home losing streak was still shorter than my streak of blank. The Elks' home losing streak was still shorter than my streak of blank. 960-960, name and location. We'll give away the movie tickets at 8.30. But right now, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, we say good morning to NFL analyst for CBS, our man, Charles Davis. Charles, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning to both of you. And I'm still adjusting to Edmonton Elks. Yep. Not so are we. I'm still adjusting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not. this is not a a statement of bring back the original nickname. This is not bad at all. It's just right. every time I hear Elks, I have to adjust for a moment. I actually watched a little bit of their game. I think it was on last night. So mm-hmm. anyway, all that being said, I yeah. still remember Warren Moon flinging it around. So Ab- there you absolutely. go. Absolutely. Um, now you got me on, on the topic of name. So the Washington Commanders have a new ownership. Apparently they want yeah. to change the name. Like what? We're going to do this again here, Charles? Is that what's going to happen? It certainly sounds like they're headed towards trying to get that type of a a move made because they floated out a number of trial balloons, haven't they? I mean, even I caught them. Right? You know, I mean, yeah. it's like these things usually just kind of waft past me. But you know, when you're the, these statements that are being made by key people, it's almost like they they said, "Okay, remember your talking points before you go out there. We got to get this out there." Yeah, it kind of feels that way. I think it'll be in conjunction, truthfully. I could be in conjunction with the announcement of a new stadium because I know that what they would really like to do is get back downtown where RFK stadium stands. Yeah. I know that that's problematic. Uh, District of Columbia politics is off the charts crazy. So I wish them luck with that one. I'm going to be getting to pretend that I know the players and how it would work. And all All I know is that everyone ever talked to, they just kind of go, yeah, good luck with that. So we'll see if they end up that, if they end up going to the Virginia side, you know, next time for a stadium. I don't know, but it just feels like new stadium, new name with the new ownership mm-hmm. kind of feels like they're going for the going for the full triple there. I kind of liked Washington football team, Charles. I don't know about you. Yeah, listen, I, I think it was really funny when it was first announced. <laughs> I think NFL. We all laughed about it. What? Yeah, exactly. Coiled. Yeah. And then we started seeing the gear, right? Did you start seeing the merchandise? Yeah. Washington football team established, you know, 1932 or whatever it was. And it got to be the cool thing because it was different than anyone else had. Everyone else had a nickname. And if you have a cool nickname, that's fine. But if you have a pedestrian nickname, you got a nickname. You're just kind of there. Everyone's got a nickname. We're so cool, we don't have one. And I felt like it really took off there. Yeah, And it took off not just with the Washington fans, but around the NFL. People wanted Washington merch just because this is different than anything else. So who knows if they'll go back to that. My sense is that the, the league will want them to have a nickname so they'll right. be uniform with everyone else. Um, but I'm, I'm with you on that one. That one started like, what? And then yeah. it became the really cool thing to have. I just like that WFT always looked like WTF to me. That's kind of what I really liked about it. <laughs> it. It was easy to flip it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I have to tell you, 
as an announcer, you wrote down notes to yourself about not flipping it. <laughs> you, you really did. You, you, you wrote a note like, hey, we're not doing that today because if you do, today is your last day. Okay, is this really what you want to do? Okay, no, you don't. Um, Charles, I, I think the biggest storyline over the preseason over the weekend was Aaron Rodgers played in a game in preseason for the first time yeah. since what twenty eighteen. Uh, how quickly is Aaron down by days? Yeah, yeah. He has like one thousand four hundred sixty seven days or some kind of nonsense. Like it was that. it was yeah, like the crazy. Elks home losing streak. It was a little longer than that. <laughs> um, uh, want to ask you how quickly is Aaron Rodgers going to look like a thirty nine year old quarterback if they can't block for him? Um, everyone looks like a 39-year-old quarterback that can't block. I mean, Bryce Young, the rookie number one pick, did you see the first two games? Anything from Carolina? He was getting hit, it felt like, on every throw. Yeah. And that's something that if you don't shore it up, your 21, 22-year-old quarterback quickly becomes 50. I mean, it's just how it goes. You can't. You can only take so many out there. I know everyone goes to the same thing, so I'll just make it simple. David Carr going to Houston as the number one pick in their franchise history. Yeah. Coming out of Fresno State, line wasn't very good. Duh, it was an expansion team, and that's how we used to assemble expansion teams. You got nothing. And he took all those hits his rookie year and was never the same. You know, David Carr could have been an exceptional quarterback. We could be talking about him as – one of the better quarterbacks during his time and developing. Then again, he might have been pedestrian with great blocking. We don't know. My point being, he never had a chance for us to find out. Because after that first year, it was like he was never going to be the same. It was unfortunate for him. Now, other people have gone through horrific years and have come back and been okay. I think a lot of people have forgotten Troy Aikman's rookie year with Dallas. It was awful. I mean, just beat the hand. I think they Peyton Manning through led the league in interceptions yeah. as a rookie. So some guys make it through. But Troy took the beating like Carr took a beating. With Peyton, we don't talk about the beating as much as we talk about the mistakes that were made. Right. But he learned from them, obviously, and became who, who Peyton Manning is today. So that's what you're looking at. I think that the Jets are going to figure it out a little bit sooner rather than later. And we're going to find out, really, if Makai Becton is really going to be that guy that they drafted. They drafted him to be a left tackle. He's not going to be a left tackle. The Jets have made that clear now. Can he hold up at right tackle? And if so, that allows him to keep Elijah Vera Tucker at guard, where I think he's going to be an all-pro player. It allows him to not have to play Max Mitchell, who hung in there last year as a rookie out of Louisiana. You're trying to get Dwayne Brown back at left tackle. You know, you got the rookie center, Joe Tipman, who I think is going to be very good for them. Get that going. Get Aaron Rod. Give Aaron Rodgers a chance, and then we're having a heck of an opener when the oh, Buffalo man. Bills come to town on Monday night. What a great way to start! Oh, awesome, Charles. How much can you improve an offensive line over a course of a year? Is that something that you know just practicing will make it better, or do you have to reach a certain point where you say we just got to go out and get better players? It is. It's. It, it's. It's twofold. If your guys aren't very good, it's a ladder. Mm. But the Jets have good players. This is not a this is not a this is not a case where I would sit here and tell you, oh boy, I don't care what mm. they do this year. They can rep it all day long. It's not going to get much better. All right. I do the Tennessee Titans preseason. If there's one major worry in Tennessee, it is about their offensive line. Mm. 
because it's one of those really it's a really weird mix of players in terms of how they were drafted or how they got there. Think of it this way. Just off the surface, if I told you, here's your offensive line. Your left tackle is a former number one pick who only played four games in like four seasons at that position in his previous team. Your left guard is your number one pick from this year. Your center is an undrafted free agent who played guard last year and he's undersized. Your right guard is an undrafted free agent who was a walk-on in college and has played guard, center, and tackle, but never very long at any one position. And your right tackle is also an undrafted free agent who came out of of UAB a bunch of years ago and has played some with the Browns, some with the Steelers. That's your offensive line going into the season. Yeah, it does not not instill confidence. Good. Right. Like that's that's your surface. Now we don't know if that's gonna play out, not play out, what have mm-hmm. you. But if that's your surface as a fan, I'm not sure you're jumping in the streets and saying, you know, we can plan the victory parade for the first Tuesday after the Super Bowl. I don't think that's where you're going. But we gotta find out can they gel, can they mix? They're trying, because let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. The Titans started that unit every game in preseason trying to give them the continuity that you're talking about. The Jets, to me, is different. This is a group, I think, that has talent. The mix is there. We're going to find out if they gel. And can they get better over the course of the season? I think absolutely because of the continuity that it takes to play that position. We saw C.J. Stroud get named as a starter as well, and it kind of all ties in with what we're talking about. Like, I don't know if the... Texans have any sort of high hopes for this season, but at the same time, you're throwing a starter out there who's going to be extremely young. If he's not going to get good protection, that just makes it that much harder, and then you get into situations like we just discussed, high-quality players that just can't get their feet under them in the NFL. Yeah, and I think that for them, the Texans do believe that they are accumulating a better group in front of him, and and they're going to have to grow together. They, were, they, they re-signed Laramie Tunsil, who's one of the better left tackles in the league. Remember, Titus Howard, the right tackle, is a former number one pick. They think he's a pretty good player. The interesting thing is, with a rookie quarterback, I usually like to have a veteran center, <laughs> someone who kind of knows the ropes. They're going to go to rookie Juice Scruggs out of Penn State, who a lot of people think was drafted higher than what was expected. So that's where you start to say to yourself, okay, what's going on? But remember, Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M, he has to fulfill his promise as a number one pick from last year. He had a rough first year. He's got to be that guy. And if you're filling it in that way, now you're starting to think, hey, we got a chance. But the biggest thing for them, organizationally, please don't fire the head coach after one year and, and go for three three in a row. <laughs> you yeah. got a head coach that you really wanted, a guy who wanted that job because he played there, D'Amico Ryan's. Give him a chance to to build this thing. And I think that they will build over time. And in the NFL, over time means within two to three seasons. Because if it's not, we're going to change it up and go. Because the NFL is built for you to actually get better faster because of the parity that's involved. Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Kind of an under-the-radar trade that really caught my attention uh, before the weekend games began, Charles, is uh, the Cardinals going full tank, uh, just giving up on Isaiah Simmons, trading him away to the Giants for a seventh-round pick, yeah. a guy they took really high in the draft in 2020. Uh, your thoughts on a guy who was positionless heading into uh, his NFL career, but his athleticism 
is off the charts. Is this potentially a massive steal for the Giants if they get him right? It is. It absolutely is. And only for a seventh-round pick and a young player. It was interesting. I was watching their preseason game with the Jets. I don't know if you guys got to see any of that. And, you know, look, let's be honest about it. At a certain point, you're, you're checking out, right? I mean, okay, that's great. Aaron played. He's, is he out? Okay, off we go. But I was sitting here doing work, and I just had it up on. And Isaiah Simmons was in the game, and the Giants were talking about, you know, the Giants broadcast. And they were talking about getting him and what have you. And they mentioned exactly what you just talked about, the positionless aspect of Isaiah Simmons where he never really fit into one place. It never settled for him. The Atlanta Falcons, all the talk in preseason this year on offense is what? Positionless players. And, boy, they're going to be dynamic. Right. I've, I've said from the, from the beginning of the time that we've talked about positionless players, that sounds wonderful. You better find out they can do something well. Before we start getting into the positionless thing, okay? Make sure they have something they can fall back on before we go, well, we can move him here, move him here. I think we talked about this before. Remember I called it whiteboard fever? Because you get up on the whiteboard, right? And with your your little, uh, you know, your pen, I can play him here. I can play him here. I can move him here. I don't know if he's any good in any of those places. Let's find out. And that's where we are with Isaiah Simmons. My final point was the Giants announcer said that when he got there, Brian Dayball, the head coach, said to him, what is it that you want to do, and what do you believe you do really well? Right. And Isaiah Simmons says, I rushed the passer really well. I said, good, that's where we're starting. And they, um, they put him in position to rush the passer. That's where I, Now we're going to see if it develops, but I do think the Giants immediately got to the essence of a player. What do you do well? And then we'll play off the rest of the concepts after we get that group. Uh, Charles, just to peek behind the curtain, we do have a whiteboard um, on our show for ideas, and we just yeah. go on the whiteboard once we think of something. Right? And eventually, hey, we get done. I, I whiteboard this, fever. I love it. I love it. Fever. We, we I got love it on this show. Whiteboard fever. That's I, right. I have a question. When you yes. throw an idea up there, if someone doesn't like the idea, do they cross it out in another color <laughs> pen? <laughs> we probably could do that. Yeah. Uh, there's no such thing as a bad idea, Charles. That's what I've heard in my life, apparently. There's no such thing as a bad <laughs> yeah, idea. Do, you know what a teacher told me? Hmm. Charles, there's no such thing as a bad idea unless you suggested it. And that's the end of that <laughs> My teacher's not real happy with me. I love that. Um, Charles, who's going to have a better season, the Bills or the Bengals? Ooh, that is a great question. A great question. Let me give you a quick one on both. The Bills, I feel like, are getting to the point where everyone's trying to talk about this is where they're going to struggle. Right, Everyone's kind of hit that point of, well, I can see this could be the decline of the Bills. I can see that maybe here comes Miami, and here come the Jets, and I can see that they're going to get challenged. There's so much of that discussion right now, I think it's good for the Bills. I, I really think it's taken a little bit of pressure off of them, which has been nice. Now, it would help them if the Stephon Diggs stuff would kind of die. But every time it dies, some, there's a flickering of an ember somewhere, and it builds back up again. <laughs> so if they could get that taken care of, I still think that they're the best team in the division. And I still think that they have a great chance of being a Super Bowl team. But a lot of people have looked at the offseason, looked at the dig stuff, looked at the Allen stuff, you see where it's coming. With the Bengals on the flip side, their biggest concern is defense. 
a number of players lost, especially on the back end with Jesse Bates and, 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 Von, and Von Bell, two really great players at the safety position. Can those youngsters fill in? Can Chittabay Awuzie come back from a knee injury, a bad knee injury to play the corner, which can't be easy with all the cutting, twisting, changing in direction that you have? Those sorts of things, because they feel like they fix the offensive line. And from everything I'm hearing, the arrows pointing up on Burrow being ready for the season opener. And I'm really excited about that since our crew has their season opener. So we'd really like to see Joe Burrow play <laughs> if at all possible. <laughs> at the end of the day, people are going to look at that last game of the Bills and Bengals and give the Bengals the advantage. I just want everybody to remember one thing. At the end of that season last year, the Bills were dealing with the remnants of what happened with DeMar Hamlin. Right. It was too much to overcome because they'd had to deal with it for weeks. They were gassed. And we're not even throwing in how many snowstorms did they have to battle through, how many times they had to go somewhere else to play, have yeah. coming back on Christmas from Chicago. They can't even get home. This Bills team dealt with a lot. You never heard them mention it, so I give them credit. I'm just saying at this point, let's not overlook them and take them for granted. That's still one of the better teams in the league. The only way they don't get back there is if they implode themselves. And that's probably what people are looking at right now. It felt like in that AFC North, it was kind of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and then Joe Burrow and the Bengals. There was a huge X factor around Deshaun Watson and the Browns. Is that division significantly better this year? It is. It is. And Deshaun Watson's a big reason why. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking strictly for on field at the position playing the game, Mm -hmm. why they signed him. When they signed him, we knew he was going to be suspended. Then we heard it was 11 games. And what goes along with those 11 games? You've got to be away from the facility, from the team, from everything. I think it was, what, nine or ten of those weeks, Mm -hmm. right, before they allowed him to come back. Then he came back, he played down the stretch, they go three and three, he's rather pedestrian again. Similar to the Bills, you gotta give a little mulligan there. He's knocking off Rust of essentially two years. But this off season, OTAs, mini camp, been in the facility all the time, had the private throwing sessions with, with his own with his guys where he's leading them now. He had a full preseason. I'm expecting to see closer of the Deshaun Watson to two thousand twenty than anything we saw in 2022. And if you get that to Sean Watson in 2020, there's a great case to be made before we kick off that these Browns are potentially a playoff team. Take a good look at that roster. It's a good roster. Is this du- is the weird part. The Steelers, the Steelers are going to be picked fourth in that division by a lot of people. Yeah. Since we went to this division concept in 2002, you know who's never finished last in that division? <laughs> the, the Browns? Oh, okay. Sorry. The Steelers. Sorry. <laughs> As you well know, the the, the, Bra- the Browns the Browns didn't occupy rent there. The Browns the Browns went ahead and bought. Okay? But now, now the Steelers have never finished last, and they feel like okay, we're tired of just doing the nine and eight, never having a losing season thing. Is there anyone who can get to the playoffs and win a couple of games? Because their last playoff win, I think, was 2017. If you can believe that. Mm-hmm. That pick and pickings combo should be fun to watch. Is Trey Lance, uh, is Dallas a good spot for him to kind of try and reboot his career? I'm not really sure, frankly, because that, that, that move is that move just screamed Jerry Jones, Dallas, Mm. you know, a a star guy. You guys can't figure it out. We'll figure it out. You know, we'll do that. (laughs) 
he's really not there. He's not there to put pressure on Dak because Trey Lance hasn't doesn't have any body of work that would put pressure on him at this point. It's just one of those shiny object, big time player. We thought others couldn't make it work, but we'll do it here in Dallas. So we'll see. I don't. I don't. Ha- I don't sit here and say to myself. Well, by midseason, if Dak throws a couple picks, they, they should put in Trey Lance. I don't think that's the case at all, at least not early, although with Dallas, they might find it irresistible, but I don't think so. We'll see. That's the best way I can put it. I'm really not sure, but it, I'll put it this way. San Francisco's dancing in the streets. That's the best offer they were going to get. They got a four out of that. Hmm. No, I don't know that anyone else was giving them a four for Trey Lance. And to get a four, considering the draft capital they expended to get him, for most people, say that doesn't even put a dent in it. But for San Francisco, with a guy that they were going to make third string and they got a four, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, they got to be hugging each other right now. Charles, tell me why the Chargers are not going to charge her this season. <laughs> because somehow the defense finds a way to slow people down in the run game. But that okay. was the thought last year when they acquired a lot of free agents and, and other people, and they still finished, I think, 31st in the league against the run. That has to change, and, and the head coach is in charge of it, Brandon Staley. Because I don't worry about the offense. I mean, Joe Lombardi got all this grief and, and got whacked, right? I mean, they said, hey, don't push the ball downfield enough, don't do this, don't do that. They had a 28-point lead in a playoff game and blew it. Right. So it's not, you know, it's not like they, they were totally eh. – that's not the case at all. And all those weapons are still there, plus they had a Quentin Johnston. Offensive line has gotten better. The only place I really have a little bit of an arched eyebrow is at right tackle because they re-signed Trey Pipkins to a, to a free agent contract to keep him. And I always thought, eh, I don't know that he's the guy, but they know more than I do, so okay. But other moves that they've made on the offensive line I think have been excellent. You get Rashawn Slater back for a full year. Jamari Sawyer can go into guard, which is more of his natural position. Lindsley at center, who can be an all-pro, as we know. Uh, Zion Johnson last year from BC, so I like that. You get Herbert, who showed his toughness playing with the broken ribs last year. Boy, he could be a talent, and his contract is done. But defensively is where all the questions are. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. If, if the defense gets better, they're not going to be charging this year. They will be pressing. But they still have to press Kansas City, and until further notice, who do you know is going to pick anyone but Kansas City in that division? Well, I, I wanted to ask you if Chris Jones holds out to Week Eight, like that's because everybody focuses on fantasy and offense and Mahomes yeah. and Kelsey, but he's the he's the linchpin of their defense, Charles. If he holds out to Week Eight, how tough is it for Kansas City? Maybe not to win the division, but be the team to get that you know coveted only by in the playoffs, which helped them get to the Super Bowl and ultimately win a championship. If Chris Jones isn't there the first eight weeks, can the Chiefs be the number one seed in the AFC? I still think they can because it's the first eight weeks. What I'm concerned about with them is the next eight weeks, and will Chris Jones be 100%? How many times have you seen the holdout, the deep holdout? Pick your sport. But let's just keep it with football because that's what we're talking about. That person holds out, holds out, holds out, comes back. Second week they're back, Hammy goes, right? right. This, this gets hurt. They're not the same person. I mean, Andy Reid talked about it to me in training camp, like on air, so I'm not giving away secrets, you know. He said, every player I've ever had with the deep holdouts, that's what you worry about. They're not the same player. They try to be. They think they are. But now you're going from zero to 100 even more so. You're not able to ramp up. Oh, he came in on Thursday. We're going to play him on Sunday. 
you know, and, and, and you're not the same guy because you don't recover, you don't do this, you don't do that. That's the biggest concern is down the stretch because this Kansas City Chiefs team, what are they built to do? Play with a lead. That's what they're off their defense is built to do. And Chris Jones is a big part of that. A 14-point lead, a 10-point lead for Kansas City means Chris Jones gets turned loose. Don't get the quarterback. What do you have, 15 and a half last year? So if he's not there, George Karloftis has really got to mature and get after it right now. They've char- they signed Charles Abenahu, uh, but guess what? He's suspended the first six games. So he's going to miss the first six if Chris Jones misses the first eight. This is where it gets really dicey. So now you actually flip back and look at Patrick Mahomes and say, you know something, everything you've given us before, can you give a brother just a little bit more until we get Chris back? <laughs> Instead of 30 points, can you give us 35? Can you give us 40? You see, that's what it's going to turn into. Uh, I love it. Uh, Charles Davis, uh, NFL analyst for CBS. Charles, always a pleasure. Thanks for this, pal. Thanks a lot, guys, as always. You take care of yourself. Talk soon. There's Charles Davis on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Straight ahead, uh, we'll talk to Arash Madani, who's live from Indonesia ahead of Canada-Latvia tomorrow at the FIBAs. We'll mix in some CFL-NFL talk with Arash as well. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan at the top of the hour. Dennis Bernstein, senior writer for the fourth period, host for Sirius XM NHL Radio. We'll get his thoughts on the latest on Elias Lindholm, which isn't really too much information. Um, we'll just get Dennis's feel on whether or not Lindholm will sign an extension with the Calgary Flames or not. And what potentially could that mean for guys like Michael Backlund, Chris mm-hmm. Tanev? The list goes on and on and on. Fascinated in Europe coming. I'm very excited to see what happens. Yeah, I have a I have a Flames playoff question I want to do tomorrow. Okay, sure, I'm in. Yeah, I want to do that tomorrow, not today, because our text question today for your chance to win tickets to the Equalizer 3. Your chance to win a night out at Landmark Cinemas. You get two general admissions, two medium drinks, two medium popcorns. The Elks home losing streak was still shorter than my streak of blank. The Elks home losing streak was still shorter than my streak of blank. Since giving up his life as a government assassin, he surprisingly finds himself at home in southern Italy. Like, what do you mean surprisingly? Struggles to reconcile horrific things he's done in the past. Okay. Strong solace in serving justice I like that. on behalf of the oppressed. You love reading stuff. Finding himself surprisingly at home in southern Italy because he likes a good spritz. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then he has to if fight. someone would know, you would. And then he has to take on the mafia. You are Mr. Italian. I don't know how south he went. Did he go Sicily south? Did he go no further than Sereno? I don't know. Um, we're still trying to hook up with Arash Madani. I don't know if our text messages landed in Indonesia yet. Yeah, I don't know how we're still waiting that to hear works. from him. I think he might be calling us right now. Maybe or are we calling no. him? That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Um, because uh, I want to ask him too. Um, I asked you the question earlier on. Arash is definitely a big CFL guy, big football guy too. Who's going to finish with a better record this season, the Elks or the Stamps? I think it's going to be the Stampeders. I just okay, can't I imagine so. a, a world where 
Now, granted, I'm getting just kind of the ickies thinking about it, but there is definitely a a a slight to non-zero chance that the Elks have a better record than the Stampeders after the next two games. How intense is the Liberty Classic between those two teams? It's pretty intense. Is it? This year, does it have as much cachet mm, as they're probably the two, like, mm, two of the three or four worst teams in the CFL? Mm-hmm. Maybe not as much as a, a little bit of cachet to it in that sense. Like, back mm-hmm. when they were both good? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. But this should be a good one still. Like, I'm hoping the weather holds up. That's usually the biggest thing. It usually does. You get the jets right. flying over and... It's a good atmosphere game to go to. It's a great. It's it's usually the biggest crowd of the season. Sure, big fan. Can I give you another example of why people in Alberta have a right to say "unterrible" instead of Ontario? Sure. The Liberty Classic in Hamilton between the Argos and Ticats. There's usually a lot of fights in the stands. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. I don't think that's. An issue. No, it doesn't happen in Alberta. People are way too nice. Like Stampede. I've seen people destroyed. You see one punch throw? Nope. People are polite. See, like, your idea at Stampede that people don't get in fights is very foreign to me. And I didn't bring it up when we were closer to the event. But, like, when I used to go to Cowboys, or no, not Cowboys, the one that's actually on the grounds, GVP, help me, which one's actually on the grounds? The tent with the stampede. Uh, Nashville North. Thank you. Um, we would wait in line just to stand at the back and watch groups of dudes with their shoulders out bump into another dude, and then their two groups square up. And then you just see how much they'd scrap before the police show up and heave home out of the really? spot. Oh, yeah. Used to love doing that. Loved it. Loved okay, it. Okay, well. Would never get involved myself. But right. there's one thing better than listening to mediocre live country music. It's listening to mediocre country music and watching a couple of groups of lads loaded on testosterone try and beat the brakes off each other. Well, don't. How dare you try to cloud my uh, peace and love <laughs> um, stampede that I experienced? Yeah. How dare you? I think it's also Pe- the tent. People were handing people flowers. Ha! <laughs> Yeah, they were they were singing people hymns. hugging each other, holding yeah. hands. Yeah, rainbows bet. and lollipops, mm-hmm. sunshine everywhere. Mm-hmm. How dare you? Sorry, just different tents, different different events. Maybe maybe it's changed. I didn't go this year. Maybe it's changed, George. I'd like to think so. Maybe we're better people now, but I don't yeah, think so. I'm, Probably not. Again, uh, my stampede was not like that. But for the Liberty Classic in Hamilton, uh, yeah, fights are happening. Scrapping? In downtown Hamilton. And fights if you've never been. Scrapping in, would you say? I, oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> that's not bad. Not bad, uh, If you've, eh? never, if you've never been to where uh, Neverwind Stadium used to be and now Tim Hortons Field, mm-hmm. uh, it's, in the, uh, it's in the sketchy part of downtown Hamilton. <laughs> like... I'm talking super <laughs> sketchy. That's nice. That's good to know. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. It makes Stephen Ave look like um uh look like boardwalk. Well, it's like know. the old Oilers I rink would, was like that too. I, I immediately revert to a piece in uh, Monopoly as in boardwalk <laughs> was the most expensive. <laughs> That's the nicest street yeah. I came up with. What are you doing? You chose the nicest street yeah. in America. 
We're <laughs> we're where's, we're where's Connecticut Ave. Where Tim Hornsfield is is definitely Baltic. Yeah. Oh, it's super but, Baltic. Yeah. Yeah. It's super oh, Baltic. Real Baltic Ave. I always loved buying uh, owning Baltic and Mediterranean, and I always loved to be a slumlord. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, I'll stop. Uh, Arash Madani uh, covering the FIBAs for uh, Sportsnet, joining us live from Indonesia on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Hey, pal, how are you? How's Indonesia? Indonesia is good, man. It's a little warm. It's a little humid, but they yeah. like basketball here. I'll tell you that yeah. much. Um, Arash, uh, tell me why I shouldn't be um, super optimistic about Team Canada that I'm, I might not get hurt this time. Um, because it's a new time. It's a new era. Um, legit players. Mm-hmm. Like one of the top five players in the NBA is on Team Canada. And which is cool. Literally. And which is really cool, which is something we haven't had since Steve Nash and never right. before. And um, they're, they're different. Their mindset's different. Their attitude's different. Um, they are going to extinguish all the ghosts from the past over the next two weeks. And that's, honestly, George, that's not a hot take, dude. Mm. Um, these, these guys are just, they're built different. Their mindset's different. Um, this whole thing's different. I don't want to. This isn't. This isn't slagging Nick Nurse, but was it a blessing in disguise that he's gone here, Rash? It's irrelevant. I, I'm not dismissing the question. Sure. Like to me, it's not about X's and O's. It's about Jimmy's and Joe's. Here's what you have now: you have Shea Gilgis Alexander, you have Ludor, you have Dylan Brooks, you have R.J. Barrett. You have Nikhil Alexander-Walker. You have seven NBA players, real NBA players, on this team. You have four vets who play FIBA in Europe. What you have now is not only real players, but dudes who grew up together who actually give a bleep about one another. And they're absolutely willing to play roles on this team and take a backseat and put their ego aside and that's like, it's not cliche stuff. It's what we've been seeing for the last two days. And working their absolute tail off on defense, just pressuring the ball like crazy, and they want this. And that's what's been so refreshing and wild and wonderful to see that I, I don't know how many players do it for their coach. But I'll tell you this about Canada. These guys are doing it for one another. And that's been pretty cool to to, you know, kind of witness unfold. Arash, has Shy been the best player in kind of this first portion through a couple of games? Oh, yeah. Like, here, here's the amazing part about Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and I think that this is something that's really interesting. Shea Gilgis-Alexander was just named All-NBA first team. So, in the history of basketball in our country, only one other player has been that, and that's Steve Nash. But Shea plays in Oklahoma City, and they're horrible. And nobody watches Oklahoma City Thunder games, because why would you? And you're out in this outpost, you know, like it... 
you're, you basically be in the Winnipeg of the NHL, and you know people in how many people in New York are paying attention to what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And so, like Shane's a baller. He is elite. Like, and he's just getting his career started. And you know he's he's a free agent in 2027. By the time he gets to there, he'll have made around 200 million dollars. This guy is going to, like, he's into the fashion scene, he's into this and that. Once he leaves Oklahoma, or if somehow the Thunder become good with all these draft picks they've, you know, compiled over the last little while, Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to be a household name. He's going to be on the cover of GQ, and he's going to be, we're going to be, people are going to talk about Shea Gilgis Alexander, SGA is going to be one of the more more recognized names in all of professional sports in North America. Arash, is there a chance that R.J. Barrett can use this tournament to springboard himself back to who the player we think he should be? Not that he's had a bad NBA career, but not maybe living up to those expectations as of yet. Is there a chance that this could be the springboard to get him to that level that we think he can get to? You know, it's interesting, George. I've thought a lot about this. And I think that in sports now, and maybe this has to do with Patrick Mahomes, maybe it has to do with quarterbacks in general. Everyone's looking for instant coffee. Everyone's looking, okay, you've been drafted, let's go. So look at the NBA champion this year, the Nuggets. Nikola Jokic, year eight. Jamal Murray, year seven. You're saying, well, that feels like a long time for the fruits of the late to pay off. But remember, these dudes now are a year removed from high school. Like, they're one and done. So RJ effectively just finished what would have been, in the old days, his rookie year in the NBA. So I just think that it's going to take a little bit longer for almost all of them because it's going to take you two years to understand what the pro game is about. Plus, physically, you're just nowhere near there. R.J. Barrett's going to be awesome. Like, there are two players on this Canadian national team right now who have the opportunity to be not just superstars in the NBA, but megastars in the NBA. Just talked about Shea. I think R.J.'s right there. There's no reason why R.J. Barrett can't be the next Jamal Murray. And... uh you know, I think by next summer at the Paris Olympics, I'm pretty confident Canada is going to qualify for the Olympics for the first time since 2000. Um, you know, it's, it's basically a hunt for a silver medal. Hmm. Like, <laughs> dude, we're, awesome. we're, we're almost like as Canadians, we're so passive about this, right? We, do, we don't want to talk about it. And it's like, well, you know, let's not step on anybody's toes. These guys are really good. They're about to get even better. And for a lot of them, like it's, it's they're they're on this trajectory right now where it's where it's going to happen. Arash, how much have you watched uh, enjoyed watching Dylan Brooks and Lou Dort play D for this team Canada? Well, to me, Dylan Brooks is is the story because <laughs> there. I, I don't know about you guys. I think he's one of the most intriguing characters in sports right now, like master villain. Mm-hmm. You know, face to face with LeBron before a playoff game, like they're about to, you know, go twelve rounds. And you know, Brooks is telling me that's a persona, whatever. Um, 
he's he's a dick. He's a dick you want on your team. And I will tell yeah. you, no one on the floor that I've seen has worked harder. Like, he is flying through guys. He is hounding guys on defense. He is the glue to this team. And, and his teammates respond to him. And I think they're going to really like him in Houston. You know, Houston gave him over 80 million bucks to go there. There's a reason for that. But it's amazing how much he cares to be part of this dynamic. Well, and another guy that's kind of fascinating as far as, you know, cares about, I guess, the 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 maple leaf on the jersey would be Kelly Olenek, who feels like he's been doing Team Canada basketball stuff forever now and kind of has more of a veteran role. What's he been like at the tournament? Uh, I, I really enjoyed your tweet earlier on Olenek as well. Yeah, like, I mean, Olenek started playing with the senior national team when he was a teenager and now he's in his mid thirties and he's the captain of the team. And he said the win over France was the number one win on his resume ever wow. representing Canada. And yeah, he's the dude. Like it's, it's amazing that he's surrounded by a few superstars, a few other stars, but there is a respect and reverence for Kelly because of what he's meant. The fact that he always answers the call for the national team. He's always there. Like, Kelly Olenek's a big man who can run the floor, who can run the break, who can, you know, they set the all-time FIBA World Cup record for assists yesterday, and it was Olenek who was the one who was, you know, a ball distributor. So it's it's really interesting to see. And, you know, what do we always hear, guys, in sports? Oh, the culture, the culture, this, the culture, that. Kelly's a pretty laid-back guy who cares, and when the lights come on, performs. And he's the one who's kind of set that culture around. Um, you know, these guys are a bunch of, like, they're not doing much. They go to shopping malls. They play cards, probably for a lot of money. They play board games and they're gym rats. Like, they're, they're, the, they're the biggest bunch of, like, you know, I'm asking around, like, hey, don't have for dinner anywhere cool? Yeah, the hotel. Oh, okay. Um, it's, um, it's a pretty, pretty boring group but they actually enjoy each other's company, and that's what they've been doing. Uh, we're looking forward to watching uh, the broadcast tomorrow against Latvia, Arash Madani, down covering the FIBAs in Indonesia right now for Sportsnet, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Broadcast Hotline Big Show. Russick and Rose, kind of want to switch gears. Uh, you, you do an incredible job of, of covering football, too. Wanted to ask you a, a hot CFL question, because you know I'm known for uh, my hot CFL takes, Arash. Uh, who finishes with a better record this season, yeah. the Elks or the Stamps? <laughs> what a question. Um, you know, and, and it's that. Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I don't know their opponents after the Labor Day back to back. Um, uh, I still think it's Calgary. Okay. I know where you're going with this, George. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big, I'm not the biggest fan of Jake, but he's like, you know, he's superior to Trey Ford and who's Edmonton actually beaten a dreadful Hamilton team and an Ottawa team that can't get out of its own way. Wouldn't surprise me if, if, uh, if the Elks, if, if, it's at least a split, this back-to-back. Mm. Um, but to me, and it's been a bunch of years now, like 
five years now, the Stampeders have been nothing but a reputation team. People just think they're going to have it together because Huff and Dave are running the show there. Um, look at the roster. It's a, it's a shell of what it used to be. They have had next to no November success in how long. And, um, but they're still better than Edmonton. Okay. Are the Vikings going to win the NFC North? Who cares? (laughs) I'm a Vikings fan. (laughs) They won 13 games last year and lost to Daniel Jones in the playoffs at home. Like, when you have the biggest loser in sports as your quarterback taking up $40 million of your salary cap. (laughs) What about that handlebar mustache he's rocking, though? Yeah. He's got a handlebar mustache now. New Kirk. I saw, I saw, I saw. Do you know how many texts I've gotten from so-called friends who watch the quarterback series on Netflix? And wanted to discuss Kirk's wardrobe <laughs> and that Julie Cousins relaxes by listening to gospel music. <laughs> One Was career playoff win. <laughs> yeah. One. But the defense won for them, basically, at the Superdome in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So you really like the show, <laughs> hey? Hey, George, I was having a nice day, and now you're ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I actually, you know what? Uh, getting along so well. Uh, Arash, I was actually interested because there was a lot of talk that maybe Trey Lance could go to the Vikings. I thought that was intriguing, and he ends up in Dallas. Yeah. No, I mean the, the Vikings invested a fifth round pick in a rookie, so they're gonna they're gonna let that thing go. Um, how about that? Huh? You give up three ones, yeah. mortgage the farm. And basically cut bait because the last pick taken in the seventh round is the one you're going to roll with. Yeah. And Kyle Shanahan's not <laughs> getting these, any heat over that. Sports executives who think they're the smartest guys in the room. Brock yeah. Purdy. Huh. Yeah. Uh, Arash, um, we appreciate your time. Uh, we're looking forward to watching. Uh, the game tomorrow, and hopefully uh, you can ride this thing out to a really deep run for Canada in this tournament. Thanks for this, pal. Okay, thanks, guys. There's Rash Madani live from Indonesia at Sportsnet. Canada, Latvia tomorrow to wrap up the group stage. You'll watch it live on Sportsnet. It'll be on during our show. All right, straight ahead, hockey talk. Dennis Bernstein, senior writer for the fourth period, host for Sirius XM. NHL Radio will join us. Uh, Matthew signs that big deal. Nylander, no contract. What does this all mean for Elias Lindholm? We'll get, a sten- we'll get Dennis Bernstein's take on that. And at 8.30, we're giving away some movie passes to the Equalizer 3, mm. courtesy of Landmark Cinemas. The Elks home losing streak was still shorter than my streak of blank. The Elks home losing streak was still shorter than my streak of blank. 960, 960, name and location. It's all straight ahead. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan.